You're listening to episode number 44 of the Brain BS Podcast called Holding Space. Welcome to the Brain BS Podcast, where you will learn how to recognize when the BS detector in your brain is sounding off and how to use that knowledge to get what you want out of life. Now here is your host, certified life coach from the Life Coach School and podcast newbie extraordinaire, Maureen Kafkas from MK Coach LLC. Hello and welcome back to the Brain BS Podcast. It is a Monday afternoon. The leaves are changing. It's beautiful outside. Oops, sorry, I just moved the microphone so you might hear a little noise there. Um, It's later in the day than usual. I usually um, try to tape or record a little bit sooner, but I have a little more freedom today and I don't have any um, time constraints, so I procrastinated, (laughs) Um, which I guess you could say is brain BS, but it's okay. I'm getting the job done. I'm still doing it in advance of it's not due till Wednesday. So the brain BS I want to talk about today is sort of different and it's kind of exciting, actually. I just signed up to go to the Art of Success Summit in Atlanta, Georgia for three days starting April 24th. It's not a very expensive event, but then by the time I get my airfare and I pay for the room, it will cost me a decent chunk of change. But this is kind of the way it works in terms of the law of attraction and all the universal laws actually. If I wait until I have money to go, then I'll never make the money to go. You have to you have to live and embody your success to the degree that you want it before there's evidence that you're going to get it. You have to really believe it and then you have to take the actions that align with that. So I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm signing up, and as soon as I signed up for it, my stomach went into knots after I got the receipt back, um, but a good kind of knots. Like, it's exciting because it's super uncomfortable for me. It's like I, it almost feels like a cultish kind of thing and um, a good cult, of course. I don't think anyone's going to make me drink any lemonade or anything, but it is still a little bit, um, it's different for me never done anything like this before. So I'm really trying to show the universe that I'm serious about my business and my growth and um, my potential to reach as many people as I possibly can and that I'm serious about making that happen. And I'm just living my life from that place, people. I'm telling you, though, it can be kind of terrifying at times. And then other times it's just really fun. It's definitely a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. But the good um, definitely outweighs the bad. So if any of you are interested in going to the Art of Success Summit, hosted by David Nagel, he's awesome. I've learned so much about him. And he actually has a great podcast called The Successful Mind Podcast. So you might want to check him out. Um, I've I've learned a great deal from him. I really like his approach. And what he's teaching is pretty much what what I'm obsessed with. So he calls it a magnificent obsession. And that's what all this is for me. It's awesome. Okay, so let's get um, to today's episode, which is an important one, and it's called Holding Space. So this week, we're going to explore the concept of holding space. In a world where we are more likely to react than respond, 
Learning how to hold space is a skill we want to bring to every interaction we have. We will discuss how to resist the temptation to make other people's behavior about us and why it is so important to refrain from criticism and judgment. Then we will examine how accepting the people in our lives and ourselves exactly as we are creates a safe space where we can all flourish and grow. I will illustrate these points by sharing some examples of how holding space serves us well and how different the trajectory of our lives might be if we do not do that. Let's begin by defining what I mean by holding space for the purpose of this post. I'm referring to the ability to create a safe, judgment-free space where we can respond instead of react and operate from a kind, loving, and authentic place. Imagine how different our interactions would be on a daily basis if we approached our lives from this frame of reference, instead of getting overtaken by our emotions, we would get clear on how we are thinking and create thoughtful and meaningful responses in every situation. For example, instead of getting pissed off at the clerk at the store who appears to be preoccupied on the phone, we could hold space for him and not make his behavior mean anything about us. We could avoid experiencing frustration, indignation, and or self-righteousness when he did that, if we gave him the benefit of a doubt and refrained from judging him. It could be that he's on the phone finding out that a loved one is having an emergency and needs his help, or maybe he forgot to do something for his employer, and if he does not get it taken care of as soon as possible, he'll actually lose his job. We don't really know what's going on unless he actually tells us, so any stories we create in our heads are all brain BS. Since we know that thoughts are optional, why not think thoughts that promote love and kindness toward our fellow humans rather than hate and disdain? Why not feel good instead of bad? The only answer I have for you is that our egos like drama and will not be satisfied if we're at peace all the time. They're always looking to stir things up. I mean, your, your brain can get used to it eventually, the lack of drama, but not at first. It takes a while. It's, it, it, your brain literally craves the drama. So now let's talk a little bit about how brains like to take things personally. This stems from our brain filters that I've mentioned in previous episodes. Brain filters are our subconscious frame of reference for how we look at life. We acquire them in childhood through our interactions with our parents and siblings, and the average human is not even aware that they are there. They are the lens through which we view everything, and no two filters are the same. This explains why multiple people can look at the same thing and perceive it totally different. Some of my personal filters that I have uncovered are not being good enough, always thinking I've done something wrong, and my personal favorite is that I have been wronged. So let's take those filters and I'll show you how they can apply to various situations and cause needless suffering and drama. Okay, say I have a close friend who out of the blue stops interacting with me. She's not totally ghosting me, but she is for sure disconnecting with me, but I have no idea why. I try to engage her in a conversation about it and invite her to get together to talk so we can discuss it, but she's not interested. Where does that leave me? I assure you it leaves me in a totally different space than it would if I was unaware of my brain filters. Let's look at how each of them would contribute to the way I view her behavior. If I was looking through the lens of not enough, I might have thought that I was not a good enough friend. I would look at all of our interactions and try to figure out where I could have done a little bit more or how I could have done something differently and possibly feel regret for that. 
If I was looking at the situation from being afraid I did something wrong, that might lead to analysis of all my interactions with her. I might become obsessive in terms of trying to figure out what I could have possibly done wrong, which could lead to fear, doubt, and even shame. Now, looking at the situation from my third filter totally changes the flavor and kind of takes me out of the perpetrator and into victim mode. When we feel wronged, we tend to get angry and tolerant of the person we feel is treating us unfairly and unjustly. If I was feeling that way, I could be judging her and finding all the reasons why I should have never been friends with her in the first place. This feels more empowering than the feeling of being hurt. Mind you, it's all brain BS because we don't know what is going on in her mind because she has not shared that. We have explored how I might react if I was unaware of my brain filters. Now let's look at holding space might look like in this situation. It always begins by being aware of our brain filters and not buying into them. That means I have eliminated that I am not enough, that I did anything wrong, or that she has wronged me in any way. It does not mean she might not think that I did something wrong, but it's sort of like innocent until proven guilty. I also want to point out that just because she thinks I did something wrong doesn't mean I did. Because she has her own filters of how she's looking at things. The next step is to refrain from judging her or criticizing her, which basically means giving her some space and the benefit of a doubt. Excuse me. It is worth noting here that the only way that it is possible for us to do that with another human is if we do it for ourselves. If we do not have a kind and loving relationship with ourselves where we have our own back, then we cannot extend that to other people. When we can do that, we create a safe space that is free of judgment and conducive to giving both parties the opportunity for personal growth. In this case, she might need the time to figure out how to communicate what is going on with her and maybe get the courage to share that. She might also feel like it is time to move on and not participate in the relationship anymore, which is an option that is totally available to her and completely her choice. For my part, I might need to cultivate patience and tap in a love and empathy for her and send only positive energy her way. I also might need to let go of her gracefully and understand that everything in the human experience is temporary. See how this works? The ego would turn it into a big drama but our higher selves hold space and stay in a loving place. Okay, let's look at another scenario where the outcomes could be different if I was unaware of my brain filters and unwilling to hold space. Let's say I'm in my car in an intersection, the light changes, and the guy in the car ahead of me does not move forward. I look and it appears that he is on his phone and not paying attention to the light. Well, as you might guess, there's a lot of brain BS that can come up in this situation. (laughs) In this case, I would not be thinking that I did anything wrong or that I'm not good enough, but I sure could be thinking that about him. I could also be feeling wronged due to the fact that he's keeping me waiting or possibly because I believe he's endangering my safety by using a handheld device while behind the wheel of a motorized vehicle. Whether he is using his phone or forgets to turn on his blinker, if I'm not aware, I'm going to take it personally and make his behavior about me. This could most likely result in pushing hard on the horn or maybe even flipping somebody off. In this day and age, it is not a good idea to spark road rage in another driver and it could even turn deadly. Let's look at it from a holding space point of view now. If I'm behind a driver who is preoccupied with his phone at an intersection, the first thing I could do is give him some grace that he is at least not moving, which makes it safer. The next thing I might want to contemplate is why he might be on the phone. 
Could it be an emergency? Could it be a romantic interest who finally returned his call? Could it be that he cannot afford a car with Bluetooth and he's waiting for a call from his doctor about a scary test result? Or maybe he's lost and needs directions? We can't possibly know, so why not give the guy a benefit of a doubt? It feels so much better than getting really mad and frustrated. The other thing I might want to consider is, do I ever get on my phone when I'm behind the wheel? Is there ever a scenario where I justify doing that and other people have gotten annoyed with me? Usually, if it is really triggering something in us, it is because we are guilty of the same behavior, or we have been in the past, or we're, we're certainly um, capable of doing that in the future. Holding space might look more like a tap on the horn to give them a heads up to start moving and possibly maintaining a certain distance from them to ensure safety. And the event that the person is really endangering the safety of everybody in the road, we can call 411 and report them from a kind and loving space, free of judgment and without taking it personally and feeling self-righteous. All right, let's take a look at another situation to illustrate how holding space would be the best option for everybody involved. In this scenario, let's make it a little bit less personal. Say we are walking down a street with beautiful homes and then nestled in between them is a home that's completely run down and neglected. There's paint, the paint's chipped all over, looks like things are falling apart. There's old beat up cars littering the driveway and the grass is, ever grow, is overgrowing and there's weeds everywhere. Our first instinct might be to think, geez, what the heck is wrong with the homeowners to let their house get that way? We might even feel a little superior about the upkeep of our own home and wonder how somebody could let their house fall into such disarray. But the truth is, there might be multiple reasons why the house is in its current state that do not include laziness, lack of motivation, or indifference. They could be financially strapped and unable to afford the upkeep of their property. They could be physically or mentally ill and unaware of just how much their home is declined. They could be living on their own without adequate support and barely keeping it together. Again, how we choose to think about them is optional, so why not give the homeowners the benefit of a doubt? This is always available to us and permits us to stay in a higher vibration and just feel better in general, so it's really a no-brainer. Okay, let's look at another one, and this one's this one's definitely personal. Let's let's look at our physical appearances as we get older and how we see some people that are that have gained a lot of weight. And we look at them and we think, oh my gosh, they have no discipline whatsoever. They must just be eating everything. They let themselves go. They're not taking care of themselves anymore. We could look at them like that, or we could look at them like Maybe there's a reason why they gained weight. Maybe they have some kind of ailment or some kind of pain issues and that's preventing them from being able to exercise. Maybe that could happen to us one day so we should keep that in mind and not be so judgmental and critical of other people. Maybe they didn't do anything wrong at all and they're trying their best and it's still happening to them. There's There are so many different scenarios. I could literally go on and on about all the different examples of how thoughts are optional and how we can choose to be kind and loving or we can choose to be critical and judgmental. 
So in conclusion, we owe it to ourselves and our fellow humans to hold space and learn how to respond rather than react. We must resist the temptation to make others people, other people's behavior mean anything about us. We also need to refrain from criticism and judgment and give people the benefit of a doubt. This makes us feel much better and creates a space where all of us can flourish and grow. So I think like for, for my business, this is really, I want to teach people how to hold space. I want to teach people to understand not to take things so personally. And this is like with your boss, with your spouse, with your kid, like whoever. We take things so personally and we make what other people's brain filters create for them mean something about us and they don't. This is why it's so crazy when we get so worked up when people behave differently than we think they should because it's all just convoluted with everybody having different brain filters all the way around. So take the time to sign up for a free consult at www.thebrainbs.com and let's get started with teaching you how to manage your mind so you can enjoy better relationships with other people as well as the one that you have with yourself. I would I would love the opportunity if I guarantee you that if we get on a consult, I will show you the brain BS and your filters that are getting in your way. And I will we will discuss the details of my coaching if you are interested. And if you're not, I will send you on your way with very valuable information and a couple resources to get you started on your own journey trying to figure all this out. But I, I do want to add that if we could do it by ourselves, we would have by now, right? I mean, I tried my whole life and I couldn't do it until I got a coach. So we can't see our own blind spots and we don't understand the things we don't understand. So please take advantage, www.thebrainbs.com. You can also join my Facebook group called The Brain BS Group on Facebook. You could pop in there, you could ask questions, you could comment. I, I really want to see a little bit more interaction and a little bit of, um, you know, what do you call it? Give and take, right? We can't we can't be seeking information and wanting it all come to us without like giving anything back. So I hope you learned something valuable here today. I will see you the next episode or in my Facebook group or on a consult. If you like what you heard here today, I would like to ask you to subscribe to the Brain BS podcast. Give me a review of five and share it with everybody you know. You can also go to my website, www.thebrainbs.com, and check out what I'm all about and how I can possibly help you. If you're ready, you can sign up for a free 60-minute consult, Facebook group called The Brain BS Group, where we dig deeper on all of these topics, and you can ask me all the questions. Lastly, always remember, the only thing standing between you and the life you want is your brain BS. <laughs>